perfect podcast. Go elsewhere. You come you come to us for the truth and for just the the griminess and love of college football. Welcome back to the Beer Bottle QBs podcast. It's me, Blake. We got CJ on. on the line. We are oh, Tilly's joining the broadcast for the video watchers and, right there, popping right where the and the computer was. So we're gonna Yep, and stock expert. Follow Tilly's picks every Tuesday on Blake's Business Minute. It's going to be electric. She's going to make us all Apple rich. Better be hot. That being said, we're adjusting on the fly, and we're going to start with TCU this week. A lot of controversy. First, my first statement is that uh, Caleb Williams is really, 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 really good at football for an 18-year-old child. So he's a grown-ass man on the football field, but 18 years old. One of the best quarterbacks I've seen to play football. That's my starting page. I want to hear what you thought about the game and just the frogs in yeah, general. I think you could add a couple more reallys to that because Caleb Williams yeah, in his first really start could. was unbelievable. I mean, we watched the game together and we were just like, this might be the best quarterback Oklahoma's had in, and he's like 18. <laughs> it's insane. Like, he, yeah, he's, yeah, it's, it's he can terrifying. run, he's got our cannon. And he didn't make a single mm-hmm. mistake. It was insane. It was yes. insane. Absolutely insane. Super accurate. 18 for 23. Didn't seem to miss a ball at all. Got a couple pass interference helps. But he, uh, he's awesome. Unbelievable. It's like seeing like Vince Young play for the first time or something. One of those incredible quarterbacks. I, I just don't know what else to say about him except for he's really, 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 really I mean, really it's good insane. I, I don't think I've ever seen a freshman in their first start look as good as he did. I mean, that was ridiculous. No. I mean, in some of his passes that he missed on were dropped. It's not like he threw any yeah. terrible passes. I mean, I don't know. I follow PFF on on Twitter and they said that that's the highest graded freshman first start of as a quarterback they've ever graded. I mean, I completely yeah. believe that. It's insane. Absolutely insane. I mean, he didn't it didn't even look like he threw a ball that was close to being intercepted. No. Like, even within an inch, it's like every long ball was so perfectly – if it was overthrown, it was overthrown by a half yard to the point where it looked like he was going to catch it, so we had to pass interfere. It was it was unbelievable. Yeah, it's he's an absolute rock star, a coup for OU. When it comes down to it, I think we really got a, the bad luck of Texas screwing everything up for us by making Spencer Rattler – Looked too bad in the first half, so that we had to see. I know. I completely agree with that. I think he, I think, I mean, TCU held their own in that game, even with Caleb Williams lighting it up. If Spencer Rattler plays, I think, honestly, we might win that game. But we ran into the buzzsaw that is Caleb Williams. I mean, there's no film on him, really. There's a half of football against Texas, which even helped his story because he was unbelievable against us. I mean, I don't, I don't know what to The defense didn't play – I didn't think they played that bad. I feel like Caleb, Caleb Williams was almost that good. I agree. I think – honestly, I think a lot of the chatter from TC fans this week is a, is a ginormous overreaction to one of the best players in college football we've ever seen. Obviously, the defense, you want to make a couple more stocks. You want to see Gary be a little more aggressive, not do that punt, go for it on yeah. the third and nine. But at the end of the day, this where I'm kind of on the state of the frogs is that – We've played – our three losses are to three of the best football teams we're going to play all the year. 
three of the best offenses without a doubt. They're all top 25 offenses. SMU's number seven ranked offense in the nation. OU's number 14. Texas number 23, I believe. So these are elite offenses. B. John Robinson for Texas. He may win the Heisman on a three or four loss Texas team. So we played a, a very elite group offenses. And obviously you want Gary to prepare better and TCU defense to look better. But looking forward to the schedule, I'm a, I'm a lot less worried about pretty much every team that I see coming in front of us compared to the teams we played so far. I would agree with that. I just we, we have to do something on defense. Is it is, are we that hurt or, or what's happening? I mean, the defense has been bad. I give them honestly, like I don't mind how the defense played in Oklahoma. I see all the TCU fan chatter that you know the defense is uh, terrible again. Yes, they aren't good, but you're also playing Oklahoma and Caleb Williams, and they were prepared and they were awesome. We know what this defense is. Yep. It's not an elite TCU defense that we have had in the past that can carry a team to you know an eleven twelve win season. It's not that defense. But it's also not a five yep. to four win defense. I think we can win majority of our remaining games and still have a pretty decent season. It's bad, but it's not as bleak as people are saying. I mean, if you look at TCU Twitter, it's like the world's on fire right now. It, I don't think I don't think it's great, but it's not that bad. Yeah, I mean, TCU Twitter's going off because of the Matt Jennings article. I read the article. I thought it was absolute trash. I think Gary said in the press conference that you better know what you're talking about if you're going to come for someone's head like that. I completely agree. The guy probably hasn't even been in spitting distance of Gary Patterson, and I could go point by point and rebuke most of uh, his thoughts or lack of thoughts going into to that article. Also, his writing style, completely boring. We could go on that for, for days on end, but... TCU fans, I think there's two sets of TCU fans. There's the the casual TCU fan who is more interested in the allure and the appeal of having the status of a top 10 football team. And then there's the actual TCU fans who watch every game, who go to every game, who are, are in it, in the trenches, actually understand the game of football. And Matt Jennings falls into the former rather than the latter. Yeah. The problem I had with it is I don't think Gary should even even address that garbage article. I mean, it's not it's not a yeah, good article. Not. I think Gary should have just said this is trash. You no, know, we're moving forward. Basically, we're on to West Virginia. I don't even think he should have addressed it. I thought it, it kind of looked bad that he addressed it, but now that he's kind of like kind of going scorched earth on him, like blocked him on Twitter, yeah. you know, calling him out in the press conference. I don't mind it. I think it should have been a non-issue because, I mean, no one would have known about it unless, you know, the masses, like you said, those tertiary yeah. frog fans, they would have never even known about this article unless Gary addressed it. So that was my take on it. I think he should have just let it walk. But, hey, here we are. I like he blocked him on Twitter, and he's not holding back. So, I mean, that's Gary Patterson. That is Gary Patterson. He's never been the, you know, the, the media-savvy type, so he just gets up there and rips his raw, elusive, weird communication style. Yeah, I agree with you that he probably shouldn't have addressed it and given it any fuel, but the fact that he's gone scorch earth, I guarantee you that he's pissed off about it, and that's going to make him – I guarantee you he's having some late nights in the office this week, 12, 1 a.m. nights watching the GAs leave before him. I've seen that happen oh, I guarantee you that's happened. in seasons where the defense has been – in 2015, when the defense was being criticized and we were all offense, he was there not many nights later than me, but <laughs> there were some nights where uh, the head coach was the last one to leave the, leave the arena. Yeah. 
So yeah, I think that's all we can say about that. I mean, I mean, I can losing to West Virginia this week would be really bad. I can guarantee you that Matt Jennings will never be allowed at a Gary Patterson press conference. He will not. I don't even think he had a press badge to begin with. So I and he definitely won't get one. Yeah. So it's I, I don't I don't know I don't get it. I like this whole scorched earth approach, but uh, we're on to West Virginia now, which I think I think. We have to beat West Virginia, uh, and I think we will. Yeah, I agree. West, losing to West Virginia would be really, really bad. I think that we're going to get pissed off Gary for the rest of the year, which is the best coaching version of Gary. He likes to be the underdog. He likes to have the chip on the shoulder. The reason he reads everything and gets a stacks of uh, articles and clippings on his desk on Monday morning from his uh, personal assistant is because he likes the fuel and the fire, and I think it makes him better. So – Hopefully that shows out on the field. We will see. All right, that's enough about the Frogs. Let's get into the slate. Some really interesting games happened last week. Let's start with Purdue-Iowa. I mean, Iowa Hawkeyes, we are both super high on the Hawkeyes. Disappointment is certainly a word we can say for this game. But Purdue really shocked the world and, and showed that they can put out on offense and have maybe a really good defense. They only have two losses on the season. I don't know if they're a contender or not. Or if I was offense, just really could not get anything done. Oh man, this was this was ugly for Iowa. The defense did ugly. not look like the defense that played Penn State, that played Wisconsin. The offense looked inept. They looked like a high school team out there. I mean, they couldn't move the ball against Purdue. You're telling me you can't move the football against the Purdue Boilermakers? It was horrible to be an Iowa fan and watch this game. I mean, it was one of the most like boring slash just just death by a thousand cuts because Purdue was just it's not like Purdue was hitting these big bombs or anything they were just kind of marching down the field and scoring touchdowns and that's not typically what an Iowa team does but if I wasn't an Iowa fan I would have loved it because I love when you know no name teams come in and somehow beat you know the number two team in the nation I would have loved it if I was a Purdue fan if I was a fan of college football and not an Iowa fan yeah agreed I mean I like Iowa, and so this wasn't that fun, and I wanted to see Iowa kind of keep playing out into the end of the year and really be in contention. I think they still have a shot. I mean, their defense is, is really good. They just got to do some do something on offense that gives them a little bit more spark, break out the trick plays. I don't know. But, yeah, it's a, it's a rough loss. If Hawkeye fans everywhere have to be extremely disappointed, this seemed like their year going into this game. And maybe it still can be, but – very, very rough loss. Rough, rough, rough. I mean, it was... Ugh. All right, let's move on. <laughs> yeah, let's move on. Let's move on to Oklahoma State versus Texas. This is a game that Texas absolutely should have won. And they really... This this felt like a Tom Herman loss. I mean, the OU, you have Caleb Williams' excuse. This one felt like a Tom Herman couldn't finish him out, closed, couldn't close him out in the second half. Just an absolute collapse, and I don't know why they don't give Bijan Robinson the ball more in the last two games because he ran for about a million yards in the second half against TCU. I know they they just don't give him the football. It's I I don't understand what it is. I mean, we watched this game together, and this was a classic Texas meltdown that we've come to know from Tom Herman, and now it's bleeding into Sark. I mean, they went up. Yep. They. Texas was up 17 to 3 with 8 minutes left in the second quarter. Blake and then we're outscored 29 to 7 the rest of the game. 
Yeah. I mean, that's insane. They didn't score a point in the fourth quarter and only scored one touchdown in the third quarter. I mean, that is a just an absolute meltdown. And I don't know I don't know how how you do that. I don't get it. Yeah, it's it's hard to kind of fathom. I mean, Texas honestly looked like the better team for 95% of this game and and then just absolutely collapsed in the second half. I I don't know where Sark has kind of gone away from gone away from giving Bijan the ball. I mean, let's see. I think his stats weren't that bad. 21 carries for 135 yards and two TDs. So the diff, the thing I have is I don't understand how you can go from being in the lead against TCU and giving the ball to Bijan 35 times to get him 200 yards, two TDs, and just win that game on his back to the next two weeks completely abandoning him in the second half when he is your absolute rock star. If they give him the ball 10 more times in both of those games, they probably win both of those games. Oh, 100% agree. Fact. Actually, I'll stand on that. They absolutely win both those games because they take more time off the clock. They don't allow him to come back fully, and, and they bleed the clock down, and they just absolutely they just manhandle him. So I don't understand where why Sark decided that strategy wasn't going to work. Oh, I, I, don't under, I don't get it, and it's not like Casey Thompson was slinging it around. I mean, he his stat line is pretty brutal. He turned it over twice, was 15 out of 27. So I don't understand why yeah. he took his best player out of the game almost in the second half when it's not like they had to throw. It's not like they got down by 17. They were up, by, they were up 14 points, and all you have to do is run Bijan. I don't, I don't know. I mean, that's what yeah. that I, – I don't know what's happening. I mean, I even picked Texas to win last week. I thought they had this game because they've looked like the better team the past two weeks, and they've just let it let the game go. I don't get it. I don't understand. But. It's very confusing. I think, like, I mean, Sark may be getting in his own head. Maybe – I don't know what's happening because he had no problem running the ball down TCU's throat to win the game when we were stretching a comeback. Last two weeks, he seemed to have a problem doing that. Maybe he feels like he has to do something. Maybe he feels like TCU actually is little brother. He's putting us in our place and actually felt that OU and Oklahoma State were bigger threats. So he got into his head. And it's like, I have to do more. I have to pass the ball. I have to do something crazy instead of just giving the ball to Bijan, which is what got him to right. success in the first place. So it's weird. We'll see what happens with Texas for the rest of the year, I think. I still think they're a pretty good team, probably end up in the top quarter of the Big 12, but but we'll see what happens. All right, on to our next game. Uh, where do we want to go with this? Auburn, Arkansas. Arkansas, not it good. It was bad. I mean, <laughs> there's not much to say. Arkansas team we saw at the start of the season has disappeared. I don't, and I don't know what yeah. happened because I was, we were both on this podcast and we were like fully in. We were on yep. the the Razorbacks train, and to let Auburn put up thirty eight points against you, I mean that's yeah. insane. Auburn put thirty eight points against them. I I mean that's just bad. That's just bad defense. It's bad, and that's two straight really bad weeks of defense for them between Ole Miss and Auburn. And Auburn's offense is anemic most of the time, so. A little bit confused what's happened to the Razorbacks. I don't know if they have injuries. I haven't really followed them. But they've gone from being the most hyped Razorbacks team at the beginning of this year after domination of Texas and then beating A&M to 
probably being one of the just another middling Arkansas team. I guess you're happy that you've gotten a couple wins compared to the last few years. But going down the stretch, I can't see this Arkansas team doing a whole lot considering that they just got walloped defensively the last two times they stepped yeah, on I don't the field. Get it. I mean, the, the team we saw beat A&M is not there. team we saw beat nope. Texas is not there. Like I, I don't know where this where this is coming from. I mean, this is this is now three straight losses for Arkansas for starting four and zero. I mean, that's they have yep. played Georgia, so I'll give them a pass there. But you know, Ole Miss yeah. that's a tough team. But you know, they let Ole Miss score fifty two points. I mean, that's terrible defense. A lot of a lot of points. A lot of points. Absolutely, a lot of yeah. points. I don't know. I mean. Yeah, disappointing. It's just another Arkansas season, it seems like. I mean, they're 4-0, now they're 4-3. Yeah, absolutely. All right, moving down the slate. I think there's really only two games left to talk about. Arizona State playing pretender, lost to Utah at home. Our, our good friend Thomas Brown called this upset. So shout out to you, Tomcat, if you're listening. But yeah, the Pac-12 has continues to just be the weirdest most wide open conference yeah, I don't out even there. Know who's good in the Pac-12, and I don't know if they if any of them are. No idea. I really don't think any of the Pac-12 is good at all. And I think, Blake, I think the reason these teams are bad is because of the shortened season last year. And that's my take on the Pac-12. Some of these football teams played four or five games last year. I mean, that is a significant difference from the rest of the country. So. I just I don't think any of these football teams in the Pac-12 are good. I don't think they are. That's an incredible point because I had completely forgotten that they had had such a short season last year. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, playing football makes you better at football. Pretty simple yes. fact. So that would make a lot of sense that the Pac-12 would not be nearly as good this year because they missed so much football last year. So I like that take. I do have to say I am kind of glad for it because it's going to be very interesting going down the stretch. And like even though none of these teams have a chance to make the playoff, I am kind of here for the chaos. So I'm very interested to see if like UCLA can beat Oregon this week. They're favored at home for no Zero reason. reason. It's just wild. Yeah, just wild. It made 10 p.m. on Saturday nights a hell of a lot more interesting for me, I think. So I'm here for it, but it's it's weird. It's going to be a really weird year. I don't know if a single Pac-12 team will end up in the top 25 at the end of the year. I mean, if Oregon lo- Oregon's their highest-ranked team at nine, and they barely beat Cal, who is not good. Yeah. And if – I mean, Oregon could honestly – I don't know. I'm kind of liking UCLA against Oregon now for some reason. I it's- mean – I mean, you gotta feel you gotta feel Vegas knows something if they're favoring UCLA. Yeah, I mean, Blake, you could be right. I mean, that's a crazy take that not one Pac-12 team will be ranked at the end of the season. But the Pac-12 champion could honestly be seven and five. Like, see, that that is not yeah, really, that is really not good. a crazy take. The Pac-12 champion could be seven and five. That's absolutely the truth. Like, that's it's it's very much possible making this a an extremely weird year, but. You know, we'll see what happens. Got a lot of interesting stuff you'll hear in the second episode. Beer Bottle Bets, a little bit more about that game. I am sure of it. All right, moving on. I think this is the last game we really need to talk about from last week. Unfortunately for us, BYU did not beat Baylor. And I now just believe that BYU is a pretender. I don't think they're good at football at all. They lost to Boise State. They lost to Baylor. I don't think Baylor's very good. I think they're okay. But I just think BYU's done. Yeah, BYU's done. Um, pack it in. They they have no quarterbacks. They they 
it's bad for BYU. They're definitely a pretender. Zach Wilson is no longer playing football there. It looks like they lost a lot in their senior class because, yeah. I mean, this team looks completely different than the team last year that played Coastal Carolina with, I don't know, five days to prepare. Just that yeah. that team is no longer there. But yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm done betting on them this year. I, I sat here on the podcast last time and said BYU is going to beat Baylor and they look not good. To be honest, not not a good team. Agreed. Completely agreed. So, you know, I'm looking forward to the TCU-Baylor game, especially especially now. Hopefully that they can rip off a few more wins so that we can just knock them off their pedestal. That that would be the ideal scenario if they somehow creep up into the top ten, come into the Carter and just get Oh, relaxed. I love it. Absolutely love it. All right. Any other games on your mind from last week you want to oh, talk just about? Just real Steve? quick, the Tennessee Ole Miss, that – that was those oh, Tennessee yeah. fans are trash. Wild. That was crazy. They were <laughs> yeah. throwing all everything they could at Lane Kiffin. I get you hate the guy because he left you. Yeah. But still, I mean, come on, Tennessee. That was trash. He went to USC. I mean, no one's going to stay in Knoxville, Tennessee. No offense. Over beautiful sunny LA, making millions of dollars oh, a year. I'm Sorry, just not going to happen. It would never happen. Not his fault. Hilarious. Seen at the end of the game, though, he's pulling golf balls out of his pocket. I'm pretty sure a full thing of mustard was thrown onto the field. I don't know how or why you would ever bring a full thing of mustard into the stadium. I don't, yeah, but I, fascinating that it got onto the field. See now, I mean, that, <laughs> I, maybe they they maybe they charge for mustard in the stadium or something to make up for for COVID deficits. So fans have just started bringing their own mustard for their just autumn. whipping them at Lane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, crazy end of that game. Just stuff coming everywhere. Wild, wild stuff for, for Ole Miss. At least Ole Miss came out with the win, though. Yeah. So Lane, Lane can't train. be too I unhappy. I mean, I, I feel like everybody loves Lane Kiffin that's not from Tennessee. <laughs> like, yeah, crazy. absolutely. I agree. I think even USC. Everyone likes even Lane. Even though he just kind of sucked at USC. I don't think they hate him. I mean, he got fired on a tarmac. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't really his fault at USC because when he came around, he had a whole bunch of sanctions. Everyone forgets that like he was down scholarship He's guys. Like 10 scholarships. A whole lot of stuff going on. Yeah, it was – I mean, he was in a no-win situation, and he was like – how old was he? He was like in his late 30s. He had already been the head he coach at the Raiders. Lane Kiffin's career – yeah, he's he was so young. So just, you know, you got to love the Lane train. Let's go, Lane. All right, Siege. Go Lane. That wraps up our first half of the podcast. Beer Bottle QBs signing off. Beer Bottle Bets signing in. So go check it out. Next episode, it's on your feed already. Go check it out now. Perfect podcast. Go elsewhere. You come You come to us for the truth and for just the, the griminess and love of college football. <laughs>